He is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Life as a sheep can be glorious. It can be glorious when you are well provided for, cared for, fed, and nourished. You get to hang out with all of your other sheep buddies. You're out there. The word pastoral, we talk about pastoral scenes, that literally refers to the life of shepherding and the sheep. To be a sheep out on the emerald hills, gnawing at your grass without a care in the world, life as a sheep can be glorious. If, and this is a big if, you've got a good shepherd. A shepherd who feeds, who leads, who keeps. Because sheep, you don't need me to tell you, have all kinds of enemies and foes all around them. And I just learned this this week, although intuition probably could have told me this, that sheep are one of the few of God's good creatures that have no natural defense mechanisms, right? They don't even have spikes. They can't even let off like a nasty smell when anything comes near them. All, best they can do is just be like, right? That's all they got. Sheep are utterly weak, vulnerable, defenseless, and yes, stupid creatures surrounded by all sorts of enemies. And so it can be glorious, but they need a shepherd. I mean, let's think about some of those enemies. The first one, maybe the most obvious, are the wolves. Wolves, of course, are smarter than sheep. They are faster than sheep. And most important of all, they are hungry for sheep, right? They're thinking, ah, I'd like to have a little lamb chop for dinner. If that's what they think, if they don't have somebody protecting them, keeping them, there's not a whole lot that the sheep can do it. They can try to, to rally. Let's all, oh, everybody, let's get together. We're really going to show this wolf what's what. It's not going to last for long. But that's not the only problem. In addition to wolves, it's also an issue to have shoddy shepherds. And the shoddy shepherd, what does he do? He sees the wolf coming, and he does a quick kind of pro and con. Like, okay, pro. I can be attacked by a wolf. Con, yeah, I get attacked by a wolf. There, there is no pros here to me being attacked by a wolf. If he's a hired hand, see, if he's just punching the clock, collecting his paycheck, why in the world would he, he stick it out with those sheep? It makes no sense. And so for those sheep, not only can the wolves be a danger to them, but the very shoddy shepherds, the hired hands that are caring for them, supposedly, they've got to worry about them as well. But of course, when you're talking about sheep, your enemies, your foes, are not only out there, but also in here. Because you are, once again, a sheep. And not, as we say, the brightest bulb or the sharpest knife in the drawer. Because you are a sheep, you are constantly straying, going away, thinking, I know what's best. Oh, look, you know, with dogs, it's like, squirrel. With sheep, it's pretty much anything. They're like, <laughs> wandering off, doing their own thing. And the next thing they know, when that sheep, if it had any hope of surviving, it was going to be in the company of its flock, under the care of its shepherd. But once it gets separated, once it gets divided, you can be certain that it will be conquered. And so, in many ways, the greatest enemy and the gravest enemy for a sheep is itself and its own stubborn stupidity. And Jesus says, oh, you are sheep. What a compliment. Thank you, Lord. What does this mean for us? Well, indeed, it is a glorious thing to be a sheep, but we need to recognize that we, too, have these foes that are all around us. When Jesus talks about the wolves, what ought that to bring to mind? Well, I can think of a couple of things. First of all, perhaps most obviously, the wolf is Satan himself. Satan is described elsewhere as, as a lion, but here I think he gets at the same idea. 
that as a wolf, he is stalking his prey. And make no mistake, the wolf is faster than you and he is smarter than you. We don't want to hear that. We think, okay, we can outwit, we can outsmart Satan. But we should not misunderstand the foe that we are up against. In the great hymn, A Mighty Fortress, Luther has this line in that hymn, On earth is not his equal. And it's funny, many times I find us singing that hymn and singing it with gusto. On earth is not his equal. We think we're singing about the Lord. In that particular verse, no. You're singing about the devil. On earth is not his equal. There, nobody can go toe-to-toe with the evil one on their own. No sheep can stand up next to the wolf and say, put him up, put him up. It doesn't work that way. And so that's one foe that we've got. One, one wolf is Satan himself. I think we might also think of many bad actors in our world who are looking to separate you and me from the sheep, to undermine our, our trust in him, see, to attack the sheep of the shepherd. And so we have to be on guard and have our eyes open to that as well. But it's not only that. Again, as Jesus says, you've got to worry about shoddy shepherds too. Hired hands that don't really care about the sheep because it's not their problem. And here, I'll just be honest with you, this is a word spoken directly against, primarily, guys like me. Pastors, right? Jesus is looking ahead to his flock and those who are going to care for his flock. And he's saying, look, watch out for those shoddy shepherds who are there just to get a pension from Concordia plans. Who are just happy in order to, to get uh, an easy paycheck and who aren't going to actually stand and deliver for the sheep of God when they find themselves under threat and under peril. It's a convicting word for me, see, because I hear Jesus speaking to me, saying, look, Ryan, when the wolf comes, that's not your time to flee. That's your time to double down and to protect your sheep. It's a convicting word for all of us who would, who would claim this name of pastor, see. This is my calling. This is my job to be there for you, especially in the time of trial, in the time of difficulty. But I think if we can also zoom out, I mean, that word is firstly for pastors, I believe. But I think in a broader sense, it is for all of us as Christians, because every single one of us have a responsibility and a calling to care for others out in the world. And you too can act like one of those hired hands when you see that person in need. As John said in the epistle reading, how can we say that we love God when we see a brother in need and we just turn away from him? We think, oh, that would just be, you know, I don't want to get into that. That's just going to be too much time. It's going to be too much trouble. I've got to look out for myself first. Acting like a hired hand. When we see, we know those neighbors, those family members, those co-workers who are lost and lonely. And we think, you know what? I just, I can't, I don't want to get into their drama. I got enough drama for myself. It's a natural thing to do, see. But when we do that, we're not acting like a good shepherd. We're acting like hired hands, putting ourselves before the needs of our neighbors. And then finally, our greatest foe of all, perhaps, our own sinful nature as continually stubborn sheep. All we like sheep have gone astray, the scripture says. That's not just once, but that's every day, see? As you and I continue to go each to our own way because we think, oh, shepherd, Thank you so much, but really, I know better. I know that you seem wise and you're taller than me, but um, I'm a sheep, and hey, clearly, I'm a good-looking guy. People take my wool, they use it for things. I'm beautiful, all right? And so I'm just going to go and do my own thing 
All we like sheep, we go astray again and again and again, thinking that our way is best. We don't want to have to, to listen to the shepherd to have him call us back, but instead we're going to follow our own voice or whatever voices we want to listen to rather than the voice of the good shepherd. And when we do that, where does it leave us? Helpless and harassed, lost and lonely. In a word, as Jesus puts it, scattered, see. Because you and I are sheep who are beset on every side by all sorts of foes, without and within, the wolves, the shoddy shepherds, and our own sinful, stubborn, sheeply nature. It's all over, and left to our own devices, you and I are lost, scattered. It can be a glorious thing being a sheep, but it can also be a grim thing if you and I don't have a shepherd and don't live under his care. But thanks be to God. Thanks be to God that what we do have, what you do have, is an awfully good shepherd. An awfully good shepherd. And I put it that way on purpose. He's awfully good because from one perspective, he looks like an awful shepherd. Because, you know, it does make sense for that hired hand when they see the wolf coming to cut and run. Because what good is a dead shepherd for his sheep? I mean, if the shepherd gets killed, then all of the sheep are soon going to be lost. Maybe if that shepherd just runs, flees, saves his own skin, yeah, a couple of the sheep are going to be gobbled up by the wolf, but most of them are still going to survive. He'll live to fight another day. Whereas Jesus says this is the fundamental aspect of his job description, to lay down his life for the sheep. Jesus, I don't know if that makes you a good shepherd. That sounds pretty awful, actually. No, he is an awfully good shepherd who not only feeds his sheep and leads his sheep, he bleeds for his sheep, for you and for me. He lays down his life in order to overcome all foes. He is able to take on the wolf and he allows the wolf to attack him, allows himself to be devoured by that deadly foe. He looks in the eyes of all those shoddy shepherds, of all those who would betray him, and still he succumbs to, to their betrayal. Even all of his sheep who wander and turn away from him in all of their insanity and stupidity. For them, this shepherd lays down his life for you and for me. If that's all he did, though, if that's all he did, it might be a beautiful act, a profound act of sacrifice, but still, at the end of the day, we would be in trouble. But as it is, for our good shepherd, his heart is greater than the grave. Not only does he lay down his life, but he is also able to take it up again, see? Christ Jesus not only sacrifices himself, but also comes back from the dead so that now that wolf has been stomped and defeated. Now all betrayers and shoddy shepherds of our Lord have been called to account, and each and every one of us, his wandering, straying sheep, he forgives you and gathers you back into the fold and says, you are my beloved sheep. As often as you stray, as often as you fall, as often in all of your silly stubbornness, you wander away from me. Still so often I live in order to gather you back to myself, to make you my own. This, this is who your good shepherd is, see. Life is glorious under his care. And so what does he what does he want for us? And what does he want from us? I want to lift up just two things in particular. What does our good shepherd want of us? First of all, and most importantly and foundationally, he wants you simply to live as his sheep. 
to live as his sheep. And what does that mean? Well, it means, first of all, that you listen to his voice. I know my own and my own know me. My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. There are so many other voices for you to listen to. Many of them wolves in sheep's clothing out in the world, in our culture. Or sometimes it's the wolf himself whispering lies inside your ear. Can you really trust that shepherd? Uh, are you sure that you can follow him? Where is he going to take you? You've seen what happened to many others of his followers. How can you know that he is going to lead you beside still waters and not set a table before your enemies? Listen to the voice of your good shepherd who loves you, who always has what is best for you, even if sometimes he leads you to a place that you would rather not go. You can trust him and know that he is there for you. And also to live as his sheep means that you don't begrudge or despise his rod and staff. See, sometimes we do stray, and the shepherd, being a loving shepherd, doesn't say, well, you know what, you be you, sheep. I don't want to tell you how to live because, hey, look, you, you know what's best for you. And so I just want to let you kind of find yourself. You know where a sheep finds himself? Off the side of a cliff or in the mouth of a wolf, okay? And so our great good shepherd in love and compassion sometimes needs to break out that rod and staff and call you back. And in our small sheep brain, we think, oh, I don't like that. I want to break free from that. I, I, I want to just be by myself. I want to have that freedom. Listen, it is in love that the Lord gathers you back. If you feel that rod around your midsection, if you, you sense his staff in your soul, don't despise it, don't begrudge it, but hearken to it. The Father chastises those he loves. See, that discipline is a gift for you and me so that we would get back onto the straight and narrow to follow our great good shepherd, to listen to his voice. So that's the first thing that he wants of us. Simply to live as his sheep. The second thing is this. That we would share his heart. Because the shepherd's heart is greater than his fold. And I learned this as a new pastor. And in fact, I wish you were here this morning. I learned it from Pastor Bob Newton. Who some of you have gotten to know. Pastor Newton, he and his wife Priscilla have recently become part of our parish here. And you might not know this. When I first became a pastor in California... He was actually my boss. He was the district president for the California, Nevada, Hawaii district. And I was a rookie pastor and I was making the preeminent rookie mistake. And he sat me down, we got coffee together. That rookie mistake is this. I was confusing busyness with faithfulness. And I think there's some variation of this in all sorts of different vocations, right? I was confusing busyness with faithfulness, thinking, hey, look, I'm doing a lot of stuff. I'm doing it for the flock. Look at all that I'm busy about. Clearly I matter. Clearly I'm a good pastor. And wise, kind Pastor Newton sat me down and we were just kind of talking about this and he could kind of see this. And he asked me a simple question that cut right to the heart of the matter. He said, Ryan, where is the good shepherd's flock? And I said, what do you mean? Where's the good shepherd's flock? They're right there in the pew on Sunday morning. I can, I can tell you who they are and I'm busy working for them. He said, that's true, that's true. But he has other sheep who are not of this fold and he must bring them in also. Pastor Newton, quoting the words of our Lord Jesus, which is always a pain when somebody quotes Jesus back to you, was challenging me to share the heart of the good shepherd 
who not only loves and cares for every single one of you as his sheep, but also those who are not part of this fold. They are his sheep too. And he must bring them in also. That's the word that he uses. I must bring them in. And he desires for us, his flock, who are already part of his fold, to share his heart. To have a heart that breaks for those sheep that are still straying and wandering. Who are left out on the cliffs and who are listening to the voices. Those false voices who are going to succumb to the wolves. The good shepherd would say to you and me, don't just leave them and say, oh, well, it's too bad for them. They shouldn't have strayed. Listen, every single one of us strays, and the shepherd would have us go after them as well. But understand that this is a blessing for us, that he invites you and me into this work that is his work. He says, I must bring them in also. Not that you and I must somehow give a good sales pitch to bring those sheep in, that we've got to market to them, we've got to harangue the sheep and say, hey, come on, we've got a pretty good thing going here, sheep. He's the one who brings them in. Our calling is simply to love them and to share with them the heart of the shepherd, see? And then he does the work. And I could go even further to say, look, he says that I have sheep who are not yet of this fold. It's almost like he is inviting us into this grand treasure hunt, into our day-to-day lives, to, to see and discern, Lord, you have sheep who are not of this fold. Those people who seem like they're kind of a pain right now, are those your sheep too? It's, a, it's an invitation to see, as the shepherd sees, that outside of his fold, there are members of his flock too, who have not yet been gathered in. That's the blessing, the invitation that we have, not only to live as his sheep, but to share the heart of the shepherd. And listen, wonder of wonders, when you and I are part of the good shepherd's work, and when we are gathering the scattered, lost, and lonely into his flock, We share the heart of our good shepherd and we grow more joyful together. One flock, one shepherd, one glorious life as his sheep under our gracious shepherd. Amen. May the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. We stand to confess our faith.